We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hello, this is Cheryl Broderson in studio with Robin Jones Gunn. And today we are continuing what we started last week, which is letters from listeners. And we were we talked a little bit last week about who some of the women were that were influential in our lives uh, growing up that made such a difference and made us want to walk with the Lord. Yep. And so we're highlighting the letters that you've written in about the same type of women that have been influences and blessings and just made you want to walk with the Lord. So mm-hmm. we left it. Yes, we did. On a cliffhanger. Da, da, da. <laughs> yes, because Eleanor had just said yes, she would marry Wallace. And Eleanor Turnbull, her name and her story was sent in to us by um, one of our listeners, Kelly. And Kelly, thank you again. We mm-hmm. love this story. And I remember reading a book about Eleanor, and I don't have it anymore. So I'm actually thrilled. So Eleanor... Um, wanted to be a missionary, thought she was going to go to Africa. She got her pilot's license. She also um, got her bachelor's and then she got her master's degree. And while she's contemplating where she's going to go on the mission field, her mother in her 50s decides to go to Haiti as a missionary, invites Eleanor down. Yes, which is just remarkable because her mother, Bertha, Yes. Wanted to be a missionary, but was not able to, able to, able to all these years. And here she is. What was she? 40? She's 50. 50 years old. And uh, the opportunity came. And then Eleanor and her mother in partnership in ministry. It's just such a remarkable story. And Kelly, who sent this in, uh, met um, Eleanor who, when Eleanor was in her 90s and just had this sense of what a vibrant woman Amazing woman told her to know God. Yes, um, make which, Him known. Make Him known, which is a really good slogan for all of us. So where we left, uh, Eleanor and Wallace are getting married, and she, Eleanor, said that she saw the opportunity for them to work together as servants of Jesus. And quote, "I married for holiness, not happiness." And it was obvious to me that this was God's will. There was a divine, sacred, preordained plan here. And that's where we left her. Mm-hmm. So the spirit of obedience resulted in a life that bore an entire orchard of fruit and continues to bear fruit to this day. That's what Kelly wrote. Isn't that a beautiful? Mm-hmm. Kelly, mm-hmm. you are such a gifted writer. So Eleanor devoted the rest of her life to seeing the expansion of God's kingdom in Haiti. When Eleanor arrived, less than 1% of the population was literate. Incredible. I couldn't read. Realizing that those who were illiterate couldn't read the Bible, Eleanor felt a heavy burden for education. Together, she and Wallace established the first mission school in 1948. I mean, think about these times. Yeah. These are primitive times for everybody. Rural, yeah, everything. Especially yeah. in Haiti. Seventy years later, millions of students have been educated in the approximately 350 schools Mm. that came to be associated with the mission. She often recalled the encouragement of students who read scripture to their illiterate parents around the evening fire. I love that. 
At the beginning of Eleanor's ministry, the health care of the Haitian people was virtually non-existent. Yaws, a flesh-eating organism, blah, <laughs> ravaged the countryside, and a large portion of people died from preventable diseases and infections. Eleanor soon found herself on the front lines of rural public health, fighting to establish a network of care. It's interesting because so many of the missionaries that we've talked about that went out in the, you know, 1940s um, to uh, Haiti or South America or Africa, mm -hmm. they had to provide medical care right. and felt totally ill-equipped, but the Lord blessed them, gave them the ability to do it. Because again, yeah. some of these diseases were so preventable. I remember one of... Um, one of the uh, women we talked about worth knowing, who was a doctor, um, her name escapes me right now, but she went to India, and her father introduced vaccinations, and the people were so afraid of vaccinations. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yet, um, those who were vaccinated were spared polio and mm -hmm. some of the other um, diseases like smallpox yeah. and measles that were taking people down. So... Doing this healthcare and establishing this healthcare in Haiti is just amazing. Eleanor worked with her mother and some local Haitian doctors to establish a hospital in 1963. She then worked hard to encourage collaboration between healthcare providers across the country, eventually, founding the Nationwide Association of Christian Hospitals, which would establish guidelines and the best practices for the major hospitals of other missions across every department of Haiti. In 2018, the medical ministries initiated by Eleanor served over, get this, 120,000 patients. Mm, amazing. Eleanor's final days were spent in this hospital under the care of a doctor who was educated in rural Haiti through one of the schools she and Wallace founded. Talk about the circle. I know. Right? Coming <laughs> back around. Gives me chills. It's definitely full circle. Yeah. You know, as um, Jesus said, cast your bread mm -hmm. upon the water and it will come back to you. Yes. And that's what we're seeing. When you give to the Lord, you know, and you give to others in the name of the Lord, it all comes back. So... As the recipient of national awards, honorary doctorates, and the recognition of some of the world's most influential leaders, Eleanor would be the first to say that all of that was just icing on the cake. All that stuff is nice, she said. It's pretty and fancy, and it looks nice. But all this, it's all God's. Faith, hope, and love, that's it. It's obedience. God is faithful. And that was quoting Eleanor. So again, I want to thank you, Kelly, so much mm -hmm. for sending us in um, the story of Eleanor and writing it so well. I mean, you're so gifted. Thank you so much. So now I'm thinking because uh, cast your bread upon the waters after many days mm -hmm. will return to you. Where is that? It's in the Gospel of Luke. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's such a poetic way of saying you're, you're giving away what's so essential in your own life and so valuable. But it seems that you're just giving it away. You're just feeding fish. It yes. yes, yes. And it will never yet, return like a waste almost. And that's yes. the fruit that's born from a life of just as she said, that's it. It's obedience. God is faithful. So you surrender everything to him. 
And he, he brings it all full circle and provides everything you need. I love it. Well, I know. Well, now we have another listener named Rachel who sent in a story about her grandmother. I love those. I know. It's, uh, her grandmother's name is Shirley Carini. And this is what Rachel said. Hi, I'm a new listener. We love new listeners. <laughs> After finding your podcast just a few days ago, I've been listening nonstop since you invited us to tell you about modern day mothers of faith. I really wanted to tell you about my maternal grandmother, Shirley Carini, who went home to the Lord in January 2021. She was born in 1927 and lived her whole life in the Rochester area of upstate New York. Shirley married Louis Carini, and they raised six children together. Wow. Four boys, two girls, and the youngest was my mother. Shirley spent decades as a Sunday school teacher. What, doesn't that come up often? Yes, with it the does. Women? We, it, it does. This happens to be that mm-hmm. they were Sunday school teachers mm-hmm. for decades. I want to mention, too, that uh, Shirley was born the same year as my mother, 1927. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Shirley and Louie were known in their community for their welcoming home, generosity to needy families, and their strong faith. Mm-hmm. Louie started several businesses and worked in engineering and construction. Some seasons were bountiful, while others were dry. Boy, can we all relate yes, to that. Yes, we can. At Shirley's memorial service, my mother shared that Shirley was always content and confident in Louie. Mm-hmm. My mother has no memories of them fighting about money, nor of my, uh, nor of Shirley pressuring him or complaining about tight times. She encouraged Louis in all his pursuits. Okay, that's convicting, isn't it? (laughs) Um, Yes, absolutely. And this is what um, Rachel said. I just, I love this part. She said, as Shirley's granddaughter, I thought this was such a beautiful testimony of her trust in God to provide and her loving support for her husband. When I heard about this at the service, I was very convicted to follow her example in my marriage as my husband takes his own journey in providing for our family. I still think about this story all the time and to be like her. Also shared at the memorial service was this prayer she wrote in her days as a stay-at-home mom with her six children. I treasure this as a glimpse into her heart and her relationship with God, because she saw her home and motherhood as a mission field and did all her work joyfully to the glory of God. And once again, as a writer, I love finding these things. Shirley has gone to be with the Lord, but she wrote something down, and now her children, grandchildren, great-great, it endures. The, write those stories. It's a legacy. Yeah, keep those those little poems. So here's what Shirley wrote as, her, as a stay-at-home mom. Lord, as I dust and clean my house, I pray you'll cleanse my heart. Oh, so good. Let the windows of my soul be free of anything that would keep the sunlight of your love from entering. As I mop the floor, I pray your light will shine on the pathway of my children, that they will walk in your way. As I wash and iron the clothes, I thank you for the garments of salvation washed by the water of your word, spotless and without wrinkle. Lord, I thank you for the promise of salvation for all my family. 
We shall stand together before your throne, clothed in your righteousness. As I prepare the food and drink, I am reminded that you are the bread of life and the living water for the feeding of my soul. As I tend the garden, I'm reminded that you are the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. May your fragrance fill my life. Just as I pull the weeds so the flowers and vegetables can grow better, I pray that I will not let the cares of this life choke out your life in me. Without working on it, the flowers are clothed in beauty, so I trust you for my needs. Soon comes the time of day when my husband will return. How I hurry to get things in order and myself ready to greet the one I love. In like manner, Lord, I look for the time when you will return. I want to be ready to greet you, my heavenly bridegroom. Is that gorgeous? <laughs> I mean, I think I want this. I want to put this, you know, I want to put one of the stanzas in my laundry room, one in my kitchen. Exactly. And, you know, one in my my back um, garden, yep. which just doesn't look like a garden, but maybe it will if I put that out there. <laughs> but just such a focus. Yes. In everything so in life. beautiful. Reminds me of that little book years ago I read, um, Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And Lord, I'm making this bed as if it's not going to be my teenager who doesn't appreciate it. It's going to be my, this is not in the book, but I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but you know, it's as if you were going to sleep here tonight, Lord. And I want it to be prepared and ready because if I'm doing it for the least of these, I'm doing it for you. I had a friend who, Beautiful. after she died, her son was going through, you know, just organizing everything. And on the folder that had the electric bill, she said, Lord, thank you for your power. Oh, and on the one, the water, great. thank you that you're the living water. And instead of those being bills, <laughs> they became these opportunities to bless the Lord. And I've, I've, I don't have those monikers on my bills or my files, but I've started praising the Lord instead of getting upset, like a phone bill being really expensive, like, Lord, thank you. The communication. We can call upon you, mm-hmm. at any and we time. can call upon you. And you exactly. will answer. <laughs> exactly. Jeremiah thirty-three-three. God's phone oh, number. Call upon me, and I will answer you. I'm liking Shirley a lot. I know. So let's continue then. Shirley spent the last few years of her life in a nursing home. Once my grandpa could no longer care for her at home, he visited her every single evening. That's amazing. He always wore a suit and joined her for dinner. She would watch for him at the window of the dining room. She was known in the nursing home for how many visitors she would receive, her children, grandchildren, and church family. I got married during the time she was in the nursing home, and my grandfather, although still healthy, gave his regrets that he couldn't attend my wedding. His traveling would mean missing two or three days of visits with Shirley, and he knew she wouldn't understand why he wasn't there. His faithfulness to be there for her in her sickness meant so much more to me as I began my marriage than his physical presence at the wedding would have meant. I feel blessed to have started my marriage with that beautiful example of love. I only saw my grandparents on occasional visits, but I can truly say that my grandmother's legacy of faith has made a profound impact on me. First, in my mom's life, 
uh, as faithfully parenting us, and now as a role model for me as a wife and a new mom. When Grandma Shirley passed away, she left behind her six children, 16 grandchildren, and I think 21 great-grandchildren. I feel so grateful for the legacy of faith she and my grandpa have given to my family. You know, there's nothing more precious than a legacy of faith, though, really. You know, because if you give people money and it gets spent and sometimes spent on things that, you know, aren't really important, but you give your children a legacy of faith. You know, um, I had a grandmother that I really didn't know. She died when I was four years old, but I was at my aunt's house, my Aunt Virginia, and she had this little plaque on the wall and it said, Jesus never fails. And I said to her, oh, I like that. Mm. And she said, oh, that was in my house growing up. It was my mom's. And she used to say, no matter what happened, Jesus never fails. He'll find a way through this. And even when my grandmother lost her husband and my uncle Bill, when she was only in her 50s, in a, mm. uh, they crashed in an airplane um, in Camp Pendleton area really? right off of. Pacific Coast Highway, trying to fly to Orange County. She even then said, Jesus never fails. It's true. And on her um, grave, it says, Jesus never fails. And on her mother's grave, who is Lois Daisy Kent, it says, Jesus never fails. And then on my father's gravestone, it says, Jesus never fails. That's a legacy. There it is, the legacy of faith. That is. The truth that endures. That's beautiful. It's a legacy of faith. All right. We have another one. Yes, we do. And this is from Hope. And this is what I love. We've talked about this before. Hope is a homeschooler. And we're so excited about some of you younger girls that are listening. We're like, yes, we are so excited. You're you're our target audience, along with every other woman. But we get so excited. I know. Um, I had these young girls stop me that were about eight and 10, and I think 11, and they just said that they listen all the time, and they love the stories. I think we all love stories. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I was just telling Cheryl that I had a radio interview yesterday for um, one of my books, and I didn't know the woman who was interviewing me. She didn't know me, but um, before we started the recording, she said, so at the end, you want to tell us where your website is and anything else? And I said, yes, and may I include that I do a podcast called Women Worth Knowing? And she said, wait, is that you? I've had three people tell me I should listen to that. I had no idea that's what you were doing now. And I said, well, Cheryl started it a few years ago, and it just keeps growing because this this interview I had was with um, for a homeschooling organization, and the, the, um, the moms we're hearing now are bringing their their kids, their students in to hear these stories of women, and then... I don't know, are they writing a little report or or passing the story on? But that in itself is a legacy of faith to just let these stories be told. Stories have a way of staying with you. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll forget facts and figures and um, dates. Oh, yeah. I can easily forget (laughs) dates. You know, I'll be like, ah, was that the Uh, 1700s or 1600s? I can forget those things. But stories, I remember. Mm-hmm. And especially the stories that inspire. And that's what we're doing. And we want to thank you again and again uh, for these stories that you've sent in. And if you have a story of a of a mom, a sister, a neighbor, 
please write us. We want to take these breaks with our other stories and tell the stories of lesser known women whose stories will only be known in heaven, but we want to make Mm -hmm. a few of these known on earth. So Hope's story. Yes, do tell. So Hope wrote in, hello, my birthday is next week and I will be turning 16 and I am a homeschooler. I really like this. When I was at camp last summer, in on one of the sessions, the young lady who was speaking shared about how much she enjoyed this podcast called Women Worth Knowing. I love this camp counselor. (laughs) She encouraged us girls to check it out. I have been a faithful listener ever since. Yes. I want you to know that Women Worth Knowing has definitely given me a lot to consider and be encouraged by. Thank you for all your work on this podcast. And if no one else gets anything out of it, though I'm positive that's not the case, (laughs) thank you, Hope, know that I do and that what you're doing is helping to mold and shape another woman who wants to be used by God in whatever way he has for her and her future. Isn't that Fantastic. I love it. That's That's, beautiful. That's so fantastic. We have other letters, but a lot of those letters are just telling us who to look into. Yes. So those those we will give you an honorable mention when we actually um, uh, one of them. uh, Lots of people have asked me to do Rosalind Goforth, and she's one of my favorite people. So that's why I'm kind of maybe a little slow on it because I want to make sure I give it due diligence. Yes. It takes a while. It does. It does. In fact, Podcasts average me um, eight to 12 hours mm-hmm. each just to get it prepared that, because yeah, I want to do the due diligence. And that's, please. you know, not even sometimes including all the reading. But we have to. Well, and we just we volunteer to do this because we love doing it. But then we, we have do. like other jobs too. We do. We do. <laughs> to keep we up do. With. So that's why we appreciate when you write in and tell us about someone and we can share these letters uh, as letters from listeners, because it shows us that there's a need for us to just, as Cheryl said, keep telling these stories, and you're participating in that and helping us do that. Mm-hmm. We're really grateful. Mm-hmm. And I know personally, I've been inspired, as I said um, on a previous podcast, um, I started loving these stories when I was a young girl. Mm-hmm. My dad brought me the hiding place and he just kind of mm-hmm. tossed it to me and said read this book and I did and I fell in love with Corrie Ten Boom and I had the opportunity to meet her when she spoke um, at my father's church especially in what the tent we had a tent for our church for a while and Corrie Ten Boom would come regularly and speak at the tent and I just thrilled every time she would come um, and that was one of the first. I remember also wanting blue eyes like you have, Robin. I have brown eyes. <laughs> and my mom said, do you need to read a book about a missionary who wished she had had blue eyes? And that's my introduction mm-hmm. to Amy Carmichael, yep. who I fell in love with. And then I remember reading Gladys Elward and going, I love this woman. She's a yeah. character. Yeah. And if you haven't read either The Small Woman or The Little Woman, the book is called there's one book that's called The Little Woman and another book called The Small Woman. They're both about Gladys Elward. Or um, another book is called A London Sparrow, written by Phyllis Thompson, who's one of my favorite writers. And actually, we're going to be doing a podcast on Phyllis Thompson in the near future. Oh, good. Um, excellent. But I wanted to let you know about um, some of these women that really ministered so much to me that— uh, and they influenced me growing 
up and Mm -hmm. they, they gave me something to aim for. Like, wow. Especially Gladys Elwer, because you see how um, Uh normal she was. Corey Ten Boom, too. I love autobiographies. They're my favorites because autobiographies, they'll usually include things like, I was really grumpy that day. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, in the biography. Authentic. Yes. They're more like, (laughs) she was just so perfect and walked in perfection. You're like, I don't think so. And then, or I'll never reach that or aspire to that. Exactly. But when you have those personal, I doubt it, mm-hmm. and yet the Lord came through, uh, it ministers mm-hmm. so much, again, that Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. He always, always comes through. And we are inundated with all the other stories every day of difficult, painful, hurtful, corrupt That's right. stories. That's and right. this opportunity to share stories of faith and hope and truth and love is what the Lord has called us to in scriptures. You know, whatever things are true and honorable and lovely and good report, think on those things. And, you know, I don't like to watch television because I get kind of locked into it. And then I just find I've wasted time and I've, I've listened to junk. But I can do podcasts mm-hmm. and I can continue to either fold the clothes or make dinners, those mundane things that we have to do in life, wash sinks out or you know, clean the bathroom. I can do that while I listen to a podcast or driving a long drive. I can listen to a podcast. And when COVID first hit and everything was shut down, I wanted just to hear stories. I wanted mm-hmm. to hear true stories. And the only true stories that I found um, on podcasts were true crime. But at least they were stories and there's justice in the end. And so I started listening to all these true crime podcasts and I was finding myself getting so suspicious and so depressed. And Brian's like, I think you need to, you know, get off of those. Where are the other true stories of hope and life? Right. And And what I found, like when you're going to Christian podcasts, there's a lot of information. And there were quite a few ones that were discussion oriented. And I would listen to those. Mm -hmm. But somehow I just wanted something that didn't make me think so much, but just inspired and spoke more to my soul. And that's when I first got the inspiration to do Women Worth Knowing. And just to tell these true stories that again, had inspired me and continue to inspire me. Mm-hmm. And I know that you love being part of oh, that. We I love do. these stories. I do. And for years, whenever I've spoken at a women's event, I always begin each talk with the same line, and that is, I would like to tell you a story. Mm. Because that's what God made me to do, is be a storyteller. So I start, and I had a recent um email from someone inviting me to come speak at their women's event. And she simply said, I heard you speak and I would like you to come and tell us a story. I love that. (laughs) You know, my mother. We need that. Yes. My mother was a storyteller and so is my father. They both loved and I loved stories. And my mom said, I'm a raconteur. And I said, oh, I like that. That's French, but it's also now English for storyteller, a raconteur. I didn't know that. Yes. But you and I both love to tell these stories, these mm-hmm. true stories of these uh, wonderful women. And we want to thank you that obviously you like hearing them mm-hmm. too. So thank you for listening and being part of this because you're more than a listener. You're the reason we do this. Yes. You're our, you also are women worth knowing and you also will leave a legacy and influence mm-hmm. others. 
And someday, if we live long enough or if we pass this on to our great, great grandchildren, they'll be telling your story, too. So thank you for listening. We'd love to bless you. And this is from Numbers 6, 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. I love that. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Robin on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at CCCM.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones-Gunn.